victory in Christ Jesus. Amen? Happy anniversary, Nairobi Chapel, Lovington. It's our birthday. You know, I was looking at the people who are putting up their hands depending on which year you came. And most of us didn't put up their hands. So I either thought they forgot when they came or they are not very sure whether they still belong. But we also know we have visitors amongst us. Karibu Nisana, it's good to see all of you. Um, I want to start by appreciating some special people who are here today. Thank you, Reverend Faith, for coming. She belongs here. So she goes to visit other places and then she comes back home. It's always good to have you. This is your church, Karibu Sana. I have also seen uh, one of our trustees, um, Cosma Gatere. We are honored to have you here today. Let's appreciate him. Karibu Sana. I also have part of my family visiting today. I saw some of them. Please put up your hand wherever you are. See my elder brother and his wife and my cousin and my special uh, childhood friend and her husband, Kasu and Kogi. It means a lot to have you here, Karibuni. Thank you, Varkis, for worshiping together with us. I saw him somewhere. Um, Karibu sana. My name is Judin Jerry Geshoro, and I'm privileged to be the lead pastor here at Nairobi Chapel, Lovington. And today we are very grateful and we are honored that God has journeyed with us for the last six years. And that's why today we have a celebration service to just thank God for his goodness and for his faithfulness. So uh, when I look at the time that is left, I'm actually going to shorten the sermon that I had today because we have already celebrated We'll celebrate at the end. And um, I think many of us who have been here for some time already know the journey uh, that we have walked together as the Nairobi Chapel Lavington family. Every time I'm asked about this church, I say I have so much respect for the congregation that is the Nairobi Chapel Lavington. I remember times when we, we were at Mudangari where some people would carry two pairs of shoes because of how muddy it was. And sometimes I would look at them and wonder, will they come back next Sunday? And they kept coming a year later, two years later, five years later, and God has been faithful to us. You know, sometimes you would think, what to a Lovington? When they come and find my top, they'll be off. And we know nobody really wants to be, you know, where, you know. There's Matope and what have you. But you guys, we have weathered a lot together. So today, as we celebrate, we are celebrating God's faithfulness. But we are also celebrating each other. Because it has taken your resilience, your ability to be patient, to know that what Ndwati has told us, that that seed, one day it would not just be the food for the bad, but the home for the bad. Amen? And so that's why we are here today. And so we chose the theme, Replanted. Uh, because we believe that's what God is doing. Um, we know our theme of the year is authentic relationships. But for today, as we celebrate our anniversary and with the things that we see God doing in, with our ministries, we believe that God is replanting us in a season that has not been very easy. The year 2020, God gave us the theme Mind Shift. We had no idea. Um, I remember it's the only one theme we stood here and we said God will break it down for us as we go. And didn't he break it down for us? That we've seen the world, things change across the world. We've seen God shift our way of thinking, our perspective in life on so many things. And so as we journeyed into 2021, and now we are in 2022, 
There are several things that God has taught us. There are many things we have redefined, even as a church. I believe it's true for your sector of society, wherever God has placed you. None of us just want to go back to life the way we knew it before 2020 and insist that we must hold on to life the way we knew it then. Nobody is doing that. And that's true in the church because it's God who has allowed this. And so today I want to share a little bit from the book of Job. It's a book that when you read, you wonder, why would such a good man be allowed to go through so much? And then when you look at the entire story, you realize it's actually God who was behind it. It's God. The devil came to report together with others. He didn't even say anything, but God started chatting the devil and asked him, oh, you have come. Where are you from? from I've been walking to and fro. Have you seen my servant Job? The devil had, did not initiate it. It's God who initiated the whole thing and gave the devil permission to go and attack Job's life. Our God is not unaware that we have been uh, navigating a pandemic he knows everything you have lost. Some of us have lost our loved ones. Some of us have lost our businesses. There's a good life we used to know, just like Job, that we are going to see in Scripture. And then one day you wake up and everything has changed. But our God is replanting us, that he's aware that we've gone through a certain season. And so Ndwati and Razia has given us a moment in the service to just think about when we talk about replanting, what are some of the things that you personally want to let go and let God, this God who allowed this tough season? Are there things that you're bringing before him as we worship together today, as we sell some trees for you to go and plant because you're symbolizing a deeper journey that you have walked with God the last two years, that you're telling God, I don't understand why you allowed all of this, but I choose to be replanted to trust that there's something new you're doing. So as Nairobi Chapel Lovington, as much as we are celebrating our anniversary, we are declaring today that we are letting go of the church we knew in 2019, and we are believing that God is doing a new thing in our midst, and we are welcoming it with all the changes that, it has, that has come with this. So there are some common questions that many of us know of in life. You have either asked it or you've had somebody asking it. And one of these questions is, why would a God who is all good and all knowing and all powerful allow bad things to happen to good people? Because the last two years have not been easy. So some people may even wonder, why are we even meeting to celebrate in this church? It is a time we were homeless without a venue. But why would a God who is all good, all knowing, all powerful and, you know, allow bad things to happen to good people? That's a question that many of us ask in life. And we also see Job asking this question. He's asked, why would an all good, all knowing and all powerful God, he has the opposite, allow good things to happen to bad people? Because he knew he had served the Lord he knew he was a good person. Even God testified that Job was a good person. So Job asked a different question. He asked, why would a good God, who is all-knowing and all-powerful, allow good things to happen to bad people? You know, I remember there's a time I was working with someone when I was in Mavuno, and I remember one of his cousins died, and he really loved that cousin. And I remember him asking, of all the cousins we have, this is the one God took. There's another one who we are always looking for, Kwamtaro, you know. But God decided this one. 
Because sometimes we wonder, you know. And so that's why we are talking about replanting. And so I looked up this name on the dictionary. And according to the Oxford Dictionary, replanting means planting again. That's it, uh, that is a tree or a plant which has been dug up. Replanting, uh, planting again, especially uh, to into a larger pot or into a new site. And that's why we are saying God is doing a new thing. So I have a question for you. Do you struggle with trusting God? Are you trusting, struggling with trusting God in a certain area of your life today? Have you doubted his goodness in your life? Um, his wisdom in your struggles? Have you wondered why did God let this happen to me? Our struggles are real and they do hurt. And many times we are left questioning where is God? Where, what is there to celebrate? What can, he, uh, uh, what can he be doing in this circumstance? Scripture is full of passages that assure us of God's commitment to his people, even when they are asking such questions. I just want to run us through some of those scriptures before we go to Job, so that you can see that God is committed to journeying with us in our tough seasons. Exodus chapter 13, verse 20 to 22. Exodus 13, verse 20 to 22, the Bible says, So they took their journey from Sakoth and camped in Etham at the edge of the wilderness. And the Lord went before them, and by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. Uh, prior to this text, the Lord had struck down all the firstborns in the land of Egypt. And Pharaoh had chased them out and they left after they had plundered the Egyptians. And at some point they knew that Pharaoh had changed his mind and he was coming after them. And in their panic, God, uh, you know, uh, parted the Red Sea for them. But at some point, they thought that God was going to allow them to pass through the land of the Philistines, which was going to be a shorter route. But God looked at them and said, these guys in the midst of um, challenges, if I let them pass through the land of the Philistines, they're actually going to go back. So he decided that he was going to take them through a longer route. And in this longer route is where the, Lord, the Bible says in verse 21 that the Lord went before them by day in a pillar of cloud to lead the way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light, so as to go by day and night. He did not take away the pillar of cloud by day or the pillar of fire by night from before the people. So even though God allowed that they would go a longer route against their will and wishes, he, he devoted himself to journey together with them by giving them a pillar of fire at night and a, a, a pillar of cloud during the day. And that is our story. We may not be able to interpret how present God has been. But today as we celebrate, we are coming to say, even for what we did not see, even for the times that we, talk, we thought you took us a, a longer route, well, I knew you could have provided for my business a certain way. And you have decided that I'll go the longer route. That the same way he did with the children of Israel. He committed himself that the guidance through the pillar of fire and the pillar of cloud will never leave his people. I doubt they were seeing it that way. 
but here we see God journeying with them and his commitment to be with them. If you go to Isaiah verse 43, chapter 43, verse 19, when you look at our flyer, we, talked, we are talking of replanting, and a part of it says, forge forward. Isaiah 43, verse 19 says, behold, I will do a new thing. Now it springs forth. Shall you not know it? Another version asks, do you perceive it? I will even make a road in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. So he's not just with us in the desert. He's going to make a way. And he's going to refresh us because there's going to be a river to quench our thirst while we're in the desert. Good people, I don't know what prayer you made when Duarte said, take a minute and think about some things that you would let go as you invite the Lord alongside our theme of replanting to, and let him to just journey with you as he says he's replanting us. That God is doing a new thing and it's going to spring for. I don't know what sector of society you represent, but we are all in the sector of church and uh, missions. And as we celebrate what God is going to do in our midst, I want you to think about where he has placed you during the week. That you would believe his word, he says that he's doing a new thing. And he goes ahead to say himself, he will create a road in the wilderness for you. What has looked like a dry spell for you. When you look and you don't know how else to pray because you haven't paid your staff or whatever is going on around you. Because you have had to sell property to pay bills for a member of the family in hospital. That God knows that. And he says, I see you in your wilderness. And I will, I'm the one who will give you the ability to celebrate today. Because whether you can see it or not, I'm creating a way in the wilderness. Psalm 32 verse 8 to 9 says, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will guide you with my eye. I don't know how many of us had parents who would talk to them with their eyes, especially when they were visitors or when you were visiting. Or some of you do it until today. You just look at your child with your eye and they know what you have said. That is something that is possible between people who know each other very intimately. That I just look at you and you know I'm saying, stop talking, it's time to go. You know, and God himself says here, I will teach you, I will instruct you in the way you should go, and I will guide you with my eye. Our God is that personal. He'll just do this, and you will know, relax. I got you. I have your back. It's not time to move yet. God will just do something that you, even if you were to try and explain to the people around you, they won't understand because it's so intimate. Only in your walk with God can he you know, do some things and lead you to and instruct you a certain way. This was said in a context of a horse and a mule that would, would resist to move when it's time to move. Sometimes God wants us to move, but he is inviting that movement through a, or that transition through a season that is difficult. And so he's saying, let go of the life you knew before the pandemic. Stop hanging on to it because I'm doing a new thing. And just like the horse and the mule, we resist. And in this scripture, we are told we cannot be like the horse or like a mule, which have no understanding, which must be harnessed with a bit and a bridle, else they will not come near you or they will not move. One more scripture, Psalm 23 we are not going to read this psalm, but it's a psalm that many of us are familiar with that gives us a picture of a shepherd and, a sheep, and the sheep 
the sheep needed, need different things in their, in their life. And so the shepherd knows when to do what. The shepherd knows when they need to move. Then the shepherd knows when they, he needs to comfort the sheep. There's sometimes the shepherd knows when he needs to comfort them with a rod and a staff. That is a kiboko. See, we also do that with our children. Sometimes we know when to comfort them with rod and staff. The shepherd is aware of what we need at every given point. When we need to be nourished, when we need to be fed, when he needs to prepare a table for us before our enemies, the shepherd knows when we need to lie down and be quiet beside quiet waters. And he guides us, guides us in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And at the end of that scripture, Psalm 23, the Bible says, goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives. Goodness and mercy does not follow somebody who is not moving, who is not taking action as God is saying, I'm replanting you. But as we obey God, that we are saying it doesn't matter where in scripture and which audience God was speaking to, that our God is commitment and he wants us to move together with him and to not hold on to the life that we knew, we knew pre-COVID. So whether it's because... We are walking through the valley of the shadow of death, whether it's because we are, we are in exile, whether it's, whether it's because there is resistance, we do not want to move because we don't understand things. Whatever your story is, our God is committed to lead us in our life journey. Please turn to your neighbor and tell them, our God is committed to, le to lead you in your life journey. So let's see how committed he was with Job. So I want us to read, um, in, 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 in our flyer, we put this verse, Job 14, verse 7, that says, For there is hope for a tree if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. These are the words of Job. And we are curious, why would he say that, that there is hope for a tree if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoot will not cease? Why did Job say these words? So we want to see the, his life journey. And I want us to read Job chapter 1, the entire chapter all the way to chapter 2, verse 6. Job chapter 1, all the way to chapter 2, verse 6. I'm reading from the New King James Version. The Bible says, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job. And that man was blameless and upright, and one who feared God and shunned evil. And seven sons and three daughters were born to him. Also his possessions were 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 female donkeys, and a very large household. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. And his sons would go and feast in their houses, each on his appointed day, and would send an invite um, and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them, so that... Um, so, so, it was, so it was when the days of feasting had run their course that Job would send and sanctify them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them all. For Job said, it may be that my sons have sinned and cast God in their hearts. That Job did regularly. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? 
So Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you discovered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil? So Satan answered the Lord and said, Does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, and around all that he has on every side? You have blessed the work of his hands, and his possessions have increased in the land. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Behold, all that he has is in your power. Only do not lay a hand on his person. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Now there was a day when his sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And a messenger came to Job and said, The oxen were plowing and the donkeys feeding beside them when the Sabians raided them and took them away. Indeed, they were killed, the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The fire of God fell from heaven and burnt up the sheep, and I, the servants, um, burnt up the sheep and the servants and, and consumed them, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, The Chaldeans formed three bands, raided the camels and took them away, yes, and killed the servants with the edge of the sword, and I alone have escaped to tell you. While he was still speaking, another also came and said, Your sons and daughters were eating and drinking wine in their oldest brother's house. And suddenly a great wind came from across the wilderness and struck the four corners of the house, and it fell on the young people. And they are dead, and I alone have escaped to tell you. Then Job arose, tore his robe, and shaved his head, and he fell to the ground and worshipped, and he said, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In all, his, in all this, Job did not sin, nor change, uh, charge God with wrong. Chapter 2. Again, there was a day when he, the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord. And Satan came also among them to present himself before the Lord. And the Lord said to Satan, from where do you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, from going to and fro on the earth and from walking back and forth on it. Then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man, one who fears God and shuns evil, and still he holds fast to his integrity, although you incited me against him to destroy him without cause. So Satan answered the Lord and said, skin for skin. Yes, all that a man has, he will give for his life. But stretch out your hand now and touch his bone and his flesh, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, he is in your hand, but spare his life. So the first time God gave permission to the devil to go and attack, he told him that the power, you have power. The life of Job is actually in your power. You know, if someone tells you that they've just given you a lot of power, you can't do anything with that person. But he told him, do not touch his person. The second time, he told him the same thing. But this time, he gave him more power and more permission. He told him, as long as you spare his life. 
So Job was not going to die. He does not know that this has been said somewhere. So it doesn't matter how many boils he got, how many cracks he had on his skin. God knew that Job was not going to die, but he had allowed the devil to attack him. And what had caused this? It's because Job was an upright man. That's why Job at some point will ask the question, why does an all-powerful, all-knowing God allow good things to happen to bad people? Because he knew he was a good person, but then God had allowed all of this to happen to him. So what we are saying from this story is that God is the one who gave the devil permission to attack Job. And it, it unfolded in different ways. We see Satan attacking Job's character. Because at that point he had been told he, he should not attack his person. He believed, and at this point the devil believed that Job feared God because a hedge of protection had been put around him. So if you remove this Job from Reverend Faith, if you remove uh, her sons, she will stop worshipping you. That's what, that's a conversation. It's very personal when you think about it. It's different when you read about it like it's Job. But I want you to know that the book of Job is not a parable. This is a real story that happened. So you can put your name there. And you can see God giving permission and saying, let's see, if this person worships me, they were coming to church, they were part of fellowship because there was no pandemic. And now that there's a pandemic, just see how the church will forget you. Everybody will run away from you, walking with you. And unfortunately, in this season, we have seen some of this. And I don't mean to say that the people who are not coming for in-person service are not walking with the Lord. But the truth is there are many people who have fallen out because the devil was not entirely wrong. He knows that some of us, if some things are removed from our lives, there will be no celebration. We'll be asking what anniversary are we celebrating? It looks like we have been regressing. Has Tuna enough volunteers? We were a homeless church at some point. What is there to celebrate? And you think about it in your own life. And it's the same thing. The devil was not entirely wrong. He knew he was wrong where a job is concerned. But he actually knows that there are some people, if you remove comfort from their lives, they will forsake God. Because they will forever ask that question, why would a good God, an all-powerful God who is able to stop trouble from coming our way, allow me to go through suffering? This is what happened to Job. And remember, it is God who initiated this conversation. We see Satan attacking Job's health. At this point, he's told, as long as he remains alive, go ahead and do what you can do. And Job was sick. He had, I don't know whether you've ever gotten a boil, but can you imagine have a boy, having boils all over your body? And then he doesn't stop there. His wife comes and sees this is too much. And she also joins the devil in God's mission to attack the husband and tells him, do you still hold fast to your integrity? Curse God and die. Some of you have fought with your spouses in this season because by faith, God is going to do this by faith and they can see that God is not coming through for you. It didn't stop there. Job's friends came and they attacked Job as part of God's mission. 
And they went ahead, and now these ones, at first the Bible says his friends came to mourn, but they couldn't recognize him from afar because of the boils. So they offered him the ministry of presence. You know, the way we say you go to visit a, someone who is mourning, and you, wouldn't, you may not say anything, but it's called ministry of presence, and it's powerful. For they saw that his grief was very great. They, they couldn't say anything. But after a while, these friends could not hold themselves from speaking one by one. They started saying, I cannot keep quiet anymore. Because now they were convinced this job, the way he's struggling, it's because he has sinned before God. They started judging him. And one by one, they started speaking up. And one of the friends in chapter 15, who is called Eliphaz, says, Job, you have sinned. He had his own opinions uh, as to why God had allowed bad things to happen to a good man. Sometimes our friends don't need our opinion, our opinion but our presence. And in this season, many people have gone through tough times. And it's okay to not have solutions always for people near you. But we can be present in each other's lives. There is a friend in chapter 20 who is called Zophar. He seemed to have believed in the law of karma. There is a truth in it. But it is not a complete truth. And I know some of us are believers, but we really believe in this. They say that karma, sita sema your word. We usually say karma is something, a word that starts with B. We, you know what I'm saying? And sometimes we actually believe it. Because there's actually some truth tied to it, but it's not complete truth. So if you go to chapter 20, verse 4 to 5, uh, you see, uh, the, the scripture says, Do you not know this of old, since man was placed on earth, that the triumphing of the wicked is short, and the joy of the hypocrite is but for a moment? So in short, as this guy called Zophar, uh, his theology was that God punishes the wicked quickly, and he rewards the righteous quickly. So it was time for Job to be punished, and so he couldn't hold that message to himself. His friend Job needed to hear it. And time will not allow us to read what the next friend said by the name Bildad, what he told Job in chapter 8. Most of the things they said to Job across the book, they sound very spiritual and very smart, but what they did not know is that they were hurting Job, Job deeply. And father, he already had enough. Uh, you will see his friends going on and on in the subsequent chapters. Please turn to your neighbor and tell them, sometimes silence is golden. Yeah, a meaningful silence is always better than meaningless words. And many of us have gotten so many advisors in our challenging time, the year 2020, 2021, about your business and everything. But I want you, as we talk of replanting, to start thinking, could it be just like Job, God allowed this for a reason, and go to him. Because at the end of it all, this is how the conversation ends with God, Job and God. God comes to him in a very firm way and asks, who are you to question me? But this same God restores what Job thought he had lost. So it wasn't just his wife and the devil and the friends but it got to a place where Job himself started attacking himself. And he also defended himself. Have you ever lived in a relationship with yourself like that? Where sometimes you are your own supporter, sometimes you your own critic, 
and somehow that lives together. This is common when there are too many voices talking to you and you don't know which one is right. So one day you wake up in the morning and you critique yourself very hard. The next day you wake up and you have faith and you do not want to interact with anybody who is telling you that things are not possible. Job attacked himself, himself and he regretted that he actually was born. I don't know whether you have ever gotten to a place where you envy the dead. This is called passive suicidal ideation where you say, you actually envy the dead because they don't have many worries. De the dead or children. You know, sometimes when you see kids laughing, they're like, you, you know there's no rent and this child is happy and you envy them. But sometimes it's also the dead people. They don't have those worries except that they must worry about eternity depending on how they walked with the Lord. Job got to that place. Is it because he had sinned? It's because God allowed it. And so today we can come and tell God we are willing for you to replant us. We want to understand what you've been doing through a tough season for where your health is concerned, where your business is concerned, where your marriage is concerned, where everything is concerned. Job said, I would have lain still and been quiet. I would have been asleep when I would have been at rest. And in chapter 3, verse 20, he asks, Why is light given to him who is in misery and life to the bitter of soul who long for death, but it does not come? In verse 25 of chapter 3, he says, For the thing I greatly feared has come upon me, and what I dreaded has happened to me. 2020 was not an easy year. I still remember how we, make some, we made some decisions out of panic. Like I remember like the first week we just went and surrendered our office. We took all the furniture and we turned them into small pieces and took them into a container somewhere. Nobody knew what this was, how long it was going to last, you know. Um, Job was in a similar place. He realizes at some point, it's chapter 6. I want us to read chapter 6, verse 1 to 3. 14 and 15 and verse 24 to 30. Um, Job chapter 6, verse 1 to 3, the Bible says, Then Job answered and said, All that my grief were fully weighed, and my calamity laid with it on the scales. For then it would be heavier than the sand of the sea. Therefore my words have been rash, for the arrows of the Almighty are within me. My spirit drinks in their poison. The terrors of God are arrayed against me. Does the arrayed against me? So at this point, he starts realizing that he perhaps in his, you know, in his pain, he has spoken a little bit too much. And so this guy is aware. One day he's correcting himself. The next he's saying other things. In verse fourteen and fifteen, the Bible says, "To him who is afflicted." Kindness should be shown by his friend. Because now he's starting to feel the words of his friends. He said, even though he forsakes the fear of the Almighty, my brothers have dealt deceitfully like a brook, like the streams of the brooks that pass away. He was feeling bad about how his friends had treated him. In verse 24 to 30 of chapter 6, the Bible says, teach me and I will hold my tongue. Cause me to understand wherein I have erred. How, how forceful are right words? But what does your arguing prove? Now he's asking his friends. Do you intend to rebuke my words and the speeches of a desperate one, which are as wind? 
Yes, you overwhelm the fatherless and you undermine your friend. Now, therefore, be pleased to look at me, for I would never lie to your face. Yield now, let there be no injustice. Yes, concede, my righteousness still stands. Is there injustice on my tongue? Cannot my tastes discern the unsavory? So Job realizes that his words had been rash. He was acting uh, or he was done uh, without careful, they, they, were, they, they were said without careful consideration of the possible consequences. Uh, he was also disappointed at his friends. I cannot go through the, all the scriptures, but I would like you to go and read Job chapter 7 and Job chapter 12 and 13 and see some of the things there where you see pain speaking. I don't know whether the other day when we were preaching about authentic relationships and we say that we are a community that is not well equipped to know when pain is speaking. We think this person nowadays, attitude, yeah, her attitude has really changed. They're always complaining. They're always this and that. But perhaps that person is asking for help. Pain is speaking. And when you read through the book of Job, you actually see pain that is speaking. Some of, some of us find people who are in a place like that and we think that engaging with advice will help. We need to know how to respond to people who are in pain. Sometimes quoting scriptures or engaging in intelligent conversations doesn't work. There's time for everything. And Eliphaz, who was a friend of Job, was mishandling his friend at that point. But this same Job, in Job chapter 14, verse 7, he says, For there is hope for a tree if it is cut down, that it will sprout again, and that its tender shoots will not cease. Amen? So I don't know where you're coming from, but as we celebrate our six years, even as a church, we've been through a lot. But God has been faithful. And we must go back and ask him, why did you allow that? What did you want us to learn? If you go to Job chapter 38, verse 1 to 5. Job chapter 38, verse 1 to 5. Now God starts engaging him. Now it's no longer the devil his friends, his wife, or himself, but God checks in. And in Job chapter 38, verse 1 to 5, the Bible says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding who determined its measurements. Surely you know. You would expect that God, who initiated this whole conversation while Job was minding his business, he would just come and tell him, oh, Paul, I'm the one who started this conversation. But he tells him, come to me, let's talk like a man. Why do you think you know more than me? Where were you when I created the foundations of the world? What do you know? That's what God is asking Job. It's supposed to be a pastoral care moment, isn't it? But sometimes that's what we have experienced. That sometimes God chooses that um, I want to exhibit my power. And there's nothing you can do. It doesn't sound like he's a caring God. But he really cares. And he wants you to know that just because you know the five things he hasn't done for you, that he's telling you you don't know the million things, a million things he has done for you. 
I recently sat around a table in a dinner somewhere in December, and there were some waiters passing with uh, trays with a glass of juice on them. And while one was walking behind a lady who was seated, she was well-dressed, you know, this is a dinner, there was a theme and everything. So uh, the, another guy came, there was no enough space between the wall and where that table was, and hit the waiter. The glass fell on the tray. The tray almost fell on the table. Everybody else saw except that girl. And she went home, I believe until today, she doesn't know that that day she would have gone with her dress looking different because juice had poured. That happens to us every day. God protects us from so many things that we are not aware of, but because we know these two things, we use that to judge whether he's an all-good, all-powerful, and all-knowing God. And today, as we talk of replanting, it, has, it must come from a place of trusting that God truly loves and cares for you. That God allowed a pandemic to happen. He had the ability to stop it. That he allowed it to happen, but he's still a good God. And he wants to replant you. And one way to talk of replanting is actually to let go and let God. And in letting God, you celebrate in advance, even for what you cannot see. So as a church, we are going to plant a tree in that corner. For as long as we are here, it will be our reminder of God is replanting us. God has helped us revise our strategy as a church. I believe you are doing the same in the marketplace wherever God has placed you. And in having this conversation with Job, Job actually started seeing what God was seeing. And in chapter 40, from verse, um, chapter 42, from verse 12 to 16, chapter 42, verse 12 to 16, the Bible says, Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? Because now he knows who he is talking to. I lay my hand over my mouth. Throughout the book of Job, every time he talked to his friends, he told them they should lay their hand over their mouth. This time, he tells himself. He says, I lay my hand over my mouth. Once I have spoken, but I will not answer. Yes, twice, but I will proceed no further. Now the Lord blessed the latter days of Job more than his beginning. For he had 14,000 sheep, 6,000 camels, 1,000 yoke of oxen, and 1,000 female donkeys. He also had seven sons and three daughters, and he called the name of the first Jemima, and the name of the second Kezia, and the name of the third Karen Hapak. In the land where he found no women so beautiful as the daughters of Job, and their father gave them an inheritance among their brothers, and, his, and this Job lived 140 years and saw his children and grandchildren for, gen, for four generations. So Job died old and full of old days. Please tell your neighbor, Job died old and full of, 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 of old days. Full of days. He died old and full of days. We cannot judge God or limit his character and his power to the things we see. So today, even for what you have not seen, we invite you to buy a tree or a plant I hope we have enough of them. They were going to add more. 
and we can always bring them here next Sunday. We are not becoming that church that sells things, you know. We are just saying, go with this tree as a symbol of, God, I, I don't know what you're doing, but like Job, every time I water this plant and this tree, it's my, me expressing my faith. What I may not be able to do in words and in prayer, I'm expressing my faith to believe that you're present in my life and I am a nobody before your eyes to try and question you or what you have allowed. And trust that the scriptures we read earlier, that he makes a way in the wilderness, that he sends a pillar of fire and cloud to guide us in our journey, that he dispenses darkness in our lives. That those are not just stories in Bible. These are real things. But there, the scripture has very few parables. Most of these things we read, it's history. It actually happened to people like you and I. So God is consistent in his character and he is able to do it. So I invite you to stand as we join the worship team and reflect on that question that Duarte asked you earlier. What are some of the things you need to let go and let God and from today choose to celebrate by faith that God is present in my life. He does things in a way that we don't understand, but he is present. He is committed to journey with us. What is your story? this moment, but I want to invite the advisory team and Reverend Faith to come towards this side. As we sing and as we make this prayer, they will make that symbolic uh, act on our behalf to plant the tree together. As we watch that and as we worship, we are telling God that we know that he is able to do more than we have ever asked or imagined. So I'll request the advisory team and Reverend Faith. There is a tree over there the rest of us will be worshipping and uh, green with you.
was told to go and call the 70 elders to come so that they would help him in ministry. And that day when they came to the meeting, two of them did not make it. But the Bible tells us that when, when the group dispersed, even though those two were not present, everything that they agreed in that meeting, those two people who were missing started prophesying. And so today, even on behalf of those who did not make it to church, Heavenly Father, we come before your presence in Jesus' name. Because we are agreeing on certain things in the spiritual realm for the glory and honor of your holy name. We thank you for the gift of six years. We thank you for the journey that we have been together as the family of the Nairobi Chapel Lavington. Father, you have seen our tears. You have seen our joys. You know what we are celebrating. 
meeting today. Sometimes we may even forget some details of what you have done for us or what we have been through. But today, my Father, as you replant us, we say thank you. We thank you, Jehovah, because we know that you have gone ahead of us. You have gone ahead of many families that are represented here today, including our visitors. They needed to be here today for a reason, because you are doing a new thing. You are replanting us, my Father. I pray that, Jehovah God, you continue to hold us and to journey with us. There are times that our pain has spoken and we have been misunderstood by people around us. But we thank you because just like with Job, you have been present. And so Heavenly Father, I pray, would you encourage your children and allow them, dear Lord, to allow you, God, to renew their faith and to just journey with them in whatever it is that they're struggling with, oh God. You know our pain. 2020, 2021 has not been an easy time for many of us. We refuse to define ourselves with everything that happened during that season. And we welcome the new thing that you are doing in Jesus' name. That Jehovah God, you're releasing visions in Jesus' name. That Lord, we may have looked like we don't know what we are doing. But just like Paul, who would go to preach in different places, and the Holy Spirit would stop him. A day come when he received a vision, oh God, the Macedonian call, and life was never the same again for him and the churches at that time. So we receive the new thing that you are doing. And so Jehovah God, as we cut our cake today, again, this is symbolic of what we believe you have done in replanting us, that we choose to celebrate and to praise your holy name because of who you are in our lives. And so if there's any of us in our midst who has never surrendered their life to the Lord Jesus Christ, it would be difficult for you to replant yourself outside of Christ. And this day we have an opportunity to bring you before the Lord in prayer as we all join our faith together and thank God for life that he has given you and for the replanting that he would want to do in your life. Is there someone like that? You have never received the Lord Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And today, you don't mind how many people are looking at you, but you know how personal this is and you'd love to surrender your life to God. We just request that you put your hand up and we are going to pray together with you. like that so Holy Spirit we thank you because you're at work in our lives we thank you because you're the one who convinces us would you continue to do that for the glory and honor of God of your name and so Lord we thank you that we start a new journey together Thank you because you will teach our worship team what that means. You will teach every ministry here what that means, every family, every individual. We submit ourselves to your Lordship. Whatever you tell us to do, we will do. All for the glory and honor of your holy name. And the church said, Amen. And the church said, Amen.